Welcome to episode 170 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Maj Tabby. He is a designer building Darkroom. Before that, he was at Instagram, Facebook, Apple, uh, building the huge, all sorts of things. We dig into his background, moving to the United States, becoming a engineer, designer, person who makes things, uh, his journey, uh, and then what he's up to now with Darkroom. Super awesome conversation. Maz shares a lot. Maz has been working on the Figma office for a couple weeks now, and it's been really awesome getting to meet him. I've used his app for a long time, so I'm very excited to actually like get to sit down and chat about what it takes to be an independent creator. Yeah, it got real. It was good. But before we get into that, of course, we want to thank our sponsor for making this episode possible. Way no. That is all. Way no. At this point, if you haven't heard about him, it's either your first Wait, time it's listening, Wayno, right? Your first time on the internet, your first time on Twitter, or your first time on Dribble. Uh, Wayno, well, you don't have to know about them to see their work. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. They're an agency doing work out of New York, Reykjavik, and San Francisco uh, for awesome clients like Zero and Boosted Boards and Airbnb and Dropbox and Google and Reuters and Red Bull and all the amazing companies. They are an incredibly talented group of people, and they are sponsoring the podcast because, well, they wanted to support us, but they also want you to just check out their work. Uh, they're doing amazing stuff, sharing their case studies on their website at wayno.co, on their dribble, tweeting unexpected and delightful little bits on their Twitter account. Little fun little bits. Fun little bits. Uh, their Instagram account, sharing all the work around the recent rebrand. They are so fun to follow. Their team is amazing. They are stupid funny right now. <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh, social media game, 100 out of 100 points. It's unreal you should follow them all the links are in our show notes twitter instagram dribble and of course check out their website it's wayno.co read their case studies it is inspirational work and of course if you're ever in san francisco or new york uh hit them up they're a grad group of people to talk with and if you're looking for a change of pace and want to join them they're hiring go to wayno.co click their careers link in their header tell them we sent you uh otherwise follow them be inspired and, and give them a thanks for sponsoring this episode of Design Details. Thanks. And with that, let's get into episode 170 with Maj Tabby. Hi, guys. Um, my name is Maj Tabby. The easiest way I've seen to help <laughs> Americans uh, ex- pronounce my name is Mashed Potatoes. Oh. A lot of people have trouble with the J and the D next to each other. So think of mashed potatoes and you can say mashed tabby. Mashed. I am the purveyor of Darkroom, which is a photo editing app for um, iPhone. And I'm also working on a book project right now called Displaced. Well, that's a working title. I don't know if it'll ship under that name, but that's what we're going for uh, right now. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I kind of work on the whole product stack. So f- Darkroom being a one-man show, it means I'm doing the... <laughs> Uh, product design, uh-huh. engineering, uh, marketing, distribution, customer support, and, uh-huh. and all that stuff. And writing a book. And writing a book, yeah. It's a little bit of, I yeah, probably... How's everything going? Well, let me, let me finish everything and I'll tell okay, you okay, how yeah, everything yeah. is going. I'll let you know if it was a smart idea to, <laughs> to take on the book project while working on Darkroom. Um, it's, uh, it's a little bit hard to know while, while you're in the thick of it. But uh, it's going well, making progress on all things. Um, as long as that keeps happening, things are going well. Okay, when did you start Darkroom? Started Darkroom in uh, June of 2014. Um, it's uh, it, it did not start out as a serious project. Um, I don't know if that's a common thing for these things to evolve out of um, side. This projects. was just a side project. This was a side project. Yeah. Well, it, it also didn't start out as a full fledged app. It started out as actually a bet with me and my friend. We both quit Instagram at the same time. Oh, I guess I should tell you my work history. Uh, we'll get there. We'll, get there. we'll come back Whoa, around to it. Maybe we should just start at the beginning because this sounds like a good bet. Sure. <laughs> Fine, whatever. Sure. <laughs> I don't even care. A little like you do you, Brian. A you do you. A little teaser. I little. walked in on a power dynamic here. Like I should. I guess I should have asked who's. <laughs> Uh, but basically, who's the real host? Who's the real host? Brian. <laughs> yeah, it's like Brian. the co-CEOs of the podcast. Uh-huh. But uh, no, yeah. I so I, uh, I I started out actually in engineering. I did not start out in design. Um, wait, 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 hang on. Where are you from? I'm from Syria. I grew up in a little town called Aleppo, which Gary Johnson doesn't know no anything shit. about. But um, you probably heard of like, the, like news. the peppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Not the city, just the peppers. I just it's a Aleppo pepper farm. Is, you seem pretty spicy. Up. Yeah, I look like a farm boy, don't I? Um, <laughs> and uh, moved to the states in 2003 when I was 15. Um, just came as immigrants, not as uh, there was no war conflict at the time. 
and um, went to Michigan, which um, I guess you probably have listeners in Michigan, but was uh-huh. not the highlight of my life. We actually blacklisted. We actually blacklisted <laughs> in Michigan for that reason. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was great. I, it was great. We're at Michigan. It, it was great. I was uh, in Livonia, which is a small 100 person. It's actually the oh. whitest town in America according to the 2000 census. 95.8 percent white. Wait, wait. You said the population was 100? 100,000. Oh, oh. 100,000. But like you know, it's for for a city of that size. Like yeah, this is kind of like the joke. Is Detroit uh, at the time? I'm probably, maybe, I don't know. At the time, it was the blackest city in America, and it was only 20 uh, minutes away. And Livonia was the whitest city in America of its size. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about deseg- like segregation and uh, and all that stuff, yeah, it was interesting to, uh, like, be a little Arab kid yeah. coming into, uh, yeah. into this environment. Um, what but, was that like? Uh, honestly, I kind of owned it. <laughs> it was it was fine. I didn't – I was a bit of a big kid, too, so I felt like intimidated people a little bit, so nobody, nobody fucked with me at all. Um, but this was like post World War. This was sorry. This was post uh, not World War. Post II. World I mean, War. I mean, I get, technically, it was. Well, post. yeah, it, it <laughs> definitely. It was definitely <laughs> post. Yeah, but it, was, it was. It was. It was just after nine eleven, and so like stuff was raw. Like the U.S. had just gone into Iraq, and and so it was. It was. It was a little sensitive, and you know, we'd get extra searches in the airport. Um, but. Um, I feel like this is extremely off topic for your podcast, by the way. So no. tell me. I to, mean, to hey, on. everyone has their own like backstory, right? Was in Michigan, uh, went to high school there, finished high school, and then went to University of Michigan where I studied computer science um, in Ann Arbor. And that was awesome. I, I loved Ann Arbor. If you I have guys... a lot of friends who go to Ann Arbor for computer sciences. Yeah, it's a great school. And it's very cold in the winter. It's much colder than Syria got um, growing up. I just, I like, I remember going to high school in gloves and two jackets and scarves and face masks. It was, it was bad. Um, but uh, yeah, graduated and uh, start. I came straight out here from college on 2010. Why? Um, for Apple. I had a job at Apple. And then, you, how, how, can we connect the dots there? Yeah, you look like you're about to say something, though, Brent. Our friend who goes to Ann Arbor for computer science right now works at Apple. Yeah, so what's I think his that's name? John Trivetti. He works on UIKit. Oh, cool. Um, um, connected dots. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, like why computer science? And uh, then, well, I, I remember in I I don't remember the year exactly. It was um, my bro- my older brother who's who's eight years older than me. Uh, came with my parents to the US and when they came back they brought with them an IBM PC which was you know in Syria back in the day this was like we didn't have internet we didn't have cell phones we didn't have anything so it was kind of a big deal um, that we had a computer and um, I was just completely smitten by it. I mean I, before even from before that happened I was uh, I was a tinker so I would break down toys and I would like make flashlights I remember uh, one thing I loved to make was fans so I'd take a coke can I would cut off the top and then cut like slits down the side and like fan it out which is extremely fucking dangerous uh-huh. yeah like, that's that is, <laughs> yeah just then, some razor sharp uh, <laughs> let me spin this now well no no so I would put a hole and I would put one of those motors where like the, the, the spindle goes yeah. through like the, yep. the other side of the like hole a, and it would fucking spin with nothing holding it down. <laughs> so the fact, you know. And I took it to school, and all the kids loved it. Yeah, well, it was just like my cool little doomsday weapon. It was, it no was great. The fa- I feel like it's dumb luck that I'm here today. <laughs> Fingers intact. Fingers intact. Um, but so I've I've always had uh, that inclination for um, figuring out how things work and making things. I remember in like elementary school wanting to be inventors with my friend and like inventing things. What did you want to invent? Honestly, just anything. Like we just, we just loved that. Like we would sit and like draw sticks into like weird shapes just to see like if we would stumble on like a thing that would Hang make on. sense. Can we invent this pattern of sticks? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> pretty much. It's like, oh, if it stands up, it'd be like a cube. And then, yeah, that's that's as far as we got in terms of inventing. Trademark. <laughs> yeah, trademark. What about <laughs> parallelogram-shaped buildings? Uh-huh. By the way, uh, little known fact, it is fucking hard for people who come from countries where you roll your R's to say the word parallelogram. I can't because when I say the R, I I like twist how, my tongue like I'm gonna roll it. Except how, you don't. How would per, you normally say it? Per, 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 parallelogram. I can't fucking say it, man. I have to. I have to go really slow. Parallelogram. I just. That was a nice American accent. Thank you. Par- parallelogram. Thank you. <laughs> parallelogram. That's a fucking hard word to say. <laughs> hard um, vowels. That's how you do. It. But that yes. was a consonant, dude. <laughs> Focus. No, 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 no. I'm saying that's how you do an American accent. Dude. Hard, hard vowels, dude. Welcome to America. And soften all your T's. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. I've been I've been taught how to say uh Duty. something with a Texan accent. Uh-huh. Um, but every time I try to do accent, I've been told I'm I'm being racist. So I'll, oh. I'll, I'll I'll refrain from 
embarrassing all the Texan listeners on the podcast as well. By the time we're done, there's not, it's going to be like two states. There's a lot of listeners. Man, this guy really hates. <laughs> He's not a big state fan. <laughs> cool. Uh. Um, but yeah, I, I remember also taking a lot of art classes. I was very into art, like fine art and like still lifes and stuff like that. And then when we get the when we got the computer, uh, actually my first computer class was in Corel Draw at the time. This was like mm. we didn't we didn't. I mean, this was Syria in 1999. Like we didn't know what the difference between Corel Draw and Photoshop was. So They're the same thing. Uh, yeah, MBD. But I got I got I like I I started taking some of the stuff I would draw and like I would start doing digital design and stuff like that. Uh, at the time, it was I think Deviant Art. Um, was yeah. oh my god uh, yeah this was back in the day oh man i imagine that comes up a lot in the podcast though. no deviant art does not come really? up that often oh man although that's how i got my first start into like just distributing things like i made icon mm-hmm. sets oh nice. And put them on deviant nice. art. i was i was at the time i was really into uh pipes and bolts and screws and metal and like realistically rendering pipes oh. and so i would like i just i have this website i designed way back in the day where there's a sidebar and the sidebar has um like uh plugs where like pipes come from the yeah. main side of the page into the sidebar, like they're powering it. Steampunk. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really That's into that. That's awesome. Bring it back. Yeah, bring, well, I do it. Skewmorphism is, right? is the way to go. The this whole iOS 7 stuff is just not working out Bullshit. for me right now. I agree. It's really not working out. Bring back the pipes. Bring back the pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a hashtag campaign. <laughs> bring back the pipes. I'm trying to... What did you do in college? So you studied computer science. But I studied you, computer were science. Were you... Making websites? Were you yeah, well, I mean, I've been making websites uh, for money and for personal projects since, like, Syria. I mean, at the time, uh, it was fan sites for, for my favorite bands. The first uh-huh. one was Stained. I was really into Stained. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whew. Yeah, I still, like, you, you throw on a Stained sign, I'll, like, sing all the lyrics, despite <laughs> I haven't, like, the fact I haven't listened to it in, like, eight, nine years. But uh-huh. um, I had my sure. phase. You know, I was fully assimilated into the country coming in. I had my Metallica phase and my, uh, my Stained phase. It was, it was bad. Wow. It was bad. It was real bad. I was in the suburbs of Michigan. I was like, Shh. well, I had, like, white guilt with, like, not having grown up here. It was, it was crazy. Wait, what? Yeah, no, it was, it was weird. Um, but came here and started making websites and, and, and basically like I got an, an engineering out of design. So I would design these websites and then uh, the urge to build them kind of was, was a natural progression of that. I've always kind of been both artistic and technical. Just, I, I don't like, just, I just grew up that way. I didn't know like you're supposed to be one or the other. Uh, so I was just you're kind not. of, uh, <laughs> well, it took, it took a long fucking time to be comfortable with that and then, and, and to kind of own it. But uh, the world's yeah, it started, not comfortable with, with people not being binary, right? Man, yeah. And then like try, you know, with Darkroom being the first, only person working on it, it's like, yeah, I'm also doing the marketing. And I'm like, you know, am I in marketing now? Like, I, And I even know. I bet like my reaction finding that, I was like, whoa, holy shit, like someone that does everything. Like it's not very common. Well, yeah, I mean, I, we, we, we can get, if, if we can get like into depth on that if you guys want. Yeah. Um, I'll catch you up to the story because it seems like you're interested in the linear progression of things. Um. But yeah, so I, I started, you know, I, I made, I made, I started making uh, startups. I remember my first like check from Google when I was in high school. Uh, do you guys remember bibliographies and citations? Uh-huh. And you'd have to do like the proper MLA citation where yeah. there's the periods mm-hmm. and the commas and yeah. it's really hard to figure out what uh-huh. you to do when. So I made a service where you like put in the information and like auto-generate your What was it called? Citastic. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, That's a good startup name. I remember. Uh, yeah, this was this was like pre-web two point <laughs> I used EasyBib. You remember that one? Oh, those are competitors. That was I your was competitor. So yeah, yeah, man. EasyBib was my. It was cool, man. Like I would, I, I had Google Analytics when it first came out. I would like, I put it in, and you would see every like school year. Like I think it was some call some. There's a town in Texas called College something like College Town. College Texas? Station. College Station. Yeah, yeah. So like that blew up, and I think some like English teacher found Citastic and decided to, like force everyone to use it. Um, um, I wrote my own correctly, so well bullshit. It's, it's dude. It was so fucking hard. No way. I don't know how you did it, dude. Bibliographies, handwritten. I'll, I'll show you my English scores. At I, some point. <laughs> isn't okay. it? Isn't it a common way? Like people get into engineering, they're so lazy to learn how to properly do MLA citations that I spent like six months instead building a web a service That's to do so it. That's so smart. Well, it's a formula, right? Like. So it's if, yeah. I mean, you, you should have seen the code. It was like seven thousand lines of if statements and conditional. I mean, we we didn't if know what magazine. To do. Yeah, no, seriously, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, it was exactly like yeah. that. Yeah, um, and then I started doing some like freelance website stuff for like my uncle and like local businesses and stuff like that. Uh, the, the 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 my first thing that kind of resonated with people was um, you guys aren't engineers. Do you get, does the term code igniter 
mean anything yeah. to you? Yeah. PHP really? stuff, right? Yeah. So I got really into CodeIgniter and then I made this um, automatic um, admin interface for CodeIgniter called Code Extinguisher. Like, <laughs> nice, yeah. dude. And but but it, you know <laughs> yeah. it resonated with the community, and so it was you know it was like one of the one of the one of the projects that a lot of people started like integrating into their um, uh, websites, and and it like is it read your database schema and automatically generated a full interface, and then you can just go and customize and say this is an image field, this is this kind of field, this is this kind of field, and you can create like one to many and many to many relationships between different things, uh, and you can do this as a configuration, so you didn't know how to you didn't need to know how to build anything. Um, and that was really cool. And that kind of, I worked on, on that throughout college, but I've, at the same time, like as a separate thread, I've also been like a big Apple fanboy. ever since I graduated from high school, went into college, I got laid into the game. My first, my first, uh, my first Mac was embarrassingly an Intel based MacBook. Hey, which one? That, that was the first one I owned. That was, was the first the, one I had. The 2007 MacBook Pro or something like that. Yeah. I got a 2006. The Santa one. Rosa or whatever. Like. It was it was the white plastic one. I had the, where like the body it cracked to where the yeah, magnets yeah. Yeah. Uh, closed on the thing and it turned all like gooey yellow. It was disgusting. Ugh, my first one was, was the, the pro that had like the latch on it. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that's actually an older version of the one I had. Yeah. So you know, I had the MacBook. You're more one. you're more OG than I am. No, it's <laughs> it's the MacBook Pro, right? Like, well, I had the MacBook, the white plastic one. Yeah, my sister had that. Uh, yeah, I yeah. got the pro one because I was going to school for audio engineering. So like Look we had you. we had to have it. regular pro over here. Dude, so the worst thing, the like major I was in was technically called music industry, but it was like half audio engineering and half like business classes. And the business classes required you to use a PC, and the yeah. audio <laughs> ones required you to use a Mac. That sounds terrible. Mm. Bootcamp must have been nice for you. Bootcamp came out that yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was amazing. Clutch, clutch. <laughs> um, Apple fanboy. Apple fanboy. I've always wanted to go to Apple. It took a lot of work and a lot of failed attempts to finally uh, find a back door into Apple. Um, How'd that happen? <laughs> so, what was the back door? <laughs> so I, I, well, I hacked the employee database. Well, and, no, no, uh, it wasn't that bad. No, 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 it wasn't that bad. It was uh, more social engineering than that. I, um, I wanted to start a new project when I was in, in school. Um, I bought the domain scheduler.com without the E because Web 2.0 was a thing back Obviously. then. And I wanted to basically do a social scheduling thing, which like every student in, who knows how to put together an HTML site has always wanted. You know, it's like a cliche thing to want to do. But I had this whole thing like design and figure it out. And like I was really excited about it. I thought like it would be super popular. Uh, went in to build it. And at the time I wanted to build it as a web app. And like web apps were starting like high fidelity, native-like web apps were starting to become a thing. So this was when Gmail was coming on the scene and Google Maps. Remember fucking MapQuest? Like the Delta <laughs> from going to like that to Ajax was yeah. new at the time. Yeah. So Dude, I, printing out MapQuest <laughs> Printing MapQuest. <laughs> God, our children will never know. God, man. Like what, what, what do we do now that'll seem that old school to them? You know, it's like, yeah. anyway. Um, phone calls. That, nah. well, wait, you still call people? Phone numbers. Uh, you still, yeah. you, dude. I don't know my girlfriend's phone number. I've been together numbers, for yeah. seven months. I, yeah. yeah. I, feel like I don't even know her name, to be honest. <laughs> what do, what's a name? <laughs> Does she exist in VR or in physical space? <laughs> um, but so basically, like, I, I found out about this. Uh, Apple had just released, um, went from dot Mac to mobile me. Yeah. And they, along with that, came the announcement of this thing called Sprout Core. Uh, does that name mean anything to you guys? No, it doesn't. Well, it's, it's just a JavaScript framework for building desktop-like web applications. Like MobileMe. Like, exactly like MobileMe. So I went on their IRC channel, and I was like, I sat I sat in, and I was having this conversation with this guy called Okito, who like apparently oh, made Oh, Okito. The, well, you wouldn't know this, but like, it was, what I'm saying is it's <laughs> no, like Okito a random No, Okito and I go way back. Smartass. <laughs> This, this fucking guy. guy. This fucking guy. You sit in front of him with every fucking podcast listening to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think about. <laughs> too. It's been two years of this, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's not true. That, that, that explains the um, s- subscription to painkillers. <laughs> You're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> um, That's where the nice boy comes from is the pills. <laughs> this laugh is, I mean, if, if people listening could just see his laugh, it's just a pain laugh. Um, <laughs> I'm partially crying. You can see in his eyes that he's dead inside. <laughs> I've, um, I've completely ruined him. But but yeah, so I, I got it. I got in. And I was like had this conversation with this guy who turns out to like have made the framework. I didn't notice at the time, but I was like I was talking to him. I was like, oh, you've done a really good job with this like design decision in the framework. And it turns out this guy is like 
a high-level engineer at Apple who's like the guy who made this framework and like sold his startup to Apple. And I'm sitting here talking to him like he's like some smart kid who like came like lucked into this framework. Um, and then I found out that he works at Apple and I was like, holy shit, this is my opportunity because I had failed like twice to go through the proper career fair interview because they would like always ask me this shit I didn't know about. And I'm, I'm kind of like more of a... Um, I gotta hate using this term like a hacker, but like yeah, I, yeah. I kind of make shit work. Yeah. Um. So they asked me these questions. I'm like, scrappy. Scrappy. That's yeah. That's a it's a non douchey way of saying yep. that. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I I I basically talked to them. I was like, hey, I really want to work with you guys. Like, here's my work. Here's like everything that I've done. Um. He's like, I'll send my send me your resume. I'll forward it to my manager. And it was like 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 through through IRC that I got my resume into the the manager's hands. Um. On mobile me. And uh, yeah, the, the 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 recruiter called me the first time she called me. She's like, I thought she was trying to move the process from like a back door, like talking to random people into an official application. She called me. I was just like, Hey, what are you doing this summer? And I was like, Nothing. She's like, uh, Do you want to come work at Apple? I was like, Fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> uh-huh. And apparently, I got so excited, I forgot to hang up on her. I was like, Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit. I'm like, Oh my fucking god! I was so excited. Um, sir, sir, you're fine. <laughs> oh god. Uh, nope. Cancel everything. He doesn't know how to hang <laughs> up a phone. <laughs> That's a core. I told you, man. We're post this whole phone number thing. You're uh, still calling people. I forgot how it worked like yeah. seven years ago, man. So far ahead of the curve. I hate it so much. Uh, um, but yeah, so I ended up at Apple uh, working on that stuff. But what do you think about that? I, like, uh, I feel like every couple months there's just some new story about some extremely qualified, talented engineer applying at a big tech com- company and failing the technical interview because they don't know how to like do some obscure bullshit in some language that they just haven't written in a while. I mean... But they're a competent engineer that could solve, like, hard problems. I, the, you're touching on this idea of, like, is is Silicon Valley or the tech industry a meritocracy or not? Like, uh, No. Uh, well, well, I guess we could go there. But the reason, also, the reason, do technical interviews Well, the suck. reason, the reason you're, you, you think you're upset about that is because you think the fact that they're qualified should mean that they deserve the job. That's, I mean, that's basically what a meritocracy is, right? Uh, no, I'm more questioning, like, even for yourself, if you failed a technical, it's, you said you failed technical interviews yeah. twice, yeah. but you got the job after handing your resume off. So, like, that says to me that something's broken in the process where one channel says you're qualified and one, the other channel says you're not, but then you ended up going there and working on. The channel that said I wasn't qualified was working on iCal, which is a native app, and my entire technical expertise was on the web. And so they were asking me like concurrency questions and they were asking me like technical questions about memory stuff. management. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I don't fuck. I use JavaScript. I didn't, I barely knew. What, <laughs> What's like, memory management? Yeah. I just like make shit in variables and it, and it works. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> I just make shit in variables and it works. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how does programming work? Just, just pointers. I don't know. I just, I just make it work. But, uh, um, if I make a variable called pointer, is that pointer management? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like if somebody if somebody asked me the question, like how do you, how do you get a job at a big tech company today? I'd say just you you got to know people. Otherwise, you're kind of like playing dice. I mean, I don't know. It's, well, what do you think about that? Um, Does that seem broken to you, or is that no? It's, I just think that's reality. I have I have a slightly like realist of of a view about it. Um, cynical, maybe. Maybe I I I try to not be cynical, but I try not to be cynical. I, I have a I think tendency to err towards that a little bit, <laughs> but. Um, you you know you've got career fairs and you got like you look at a career fair and you've got you know 500 kids wearing an ill-fitting suit with like the same exact resume gone to the same classes and of those you're going to get 30 interns of those you're going to get like four people you know um and so the odds are just you know i don't like are you asking me how should i how do i think those four people should get those jobs or are you asking me how uh, should one of the you know the people who have a undifferentiated resume who haven't had the ex- breadth of experience to kind of differentiate themselves from other people who are their peers um and 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 fundamentally i think it's all about your hustle like it's 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 all about like the stuff you do outside of what like the main track asks of you to do um and but is that even enough to get you hired, or do you, do you actually no? You do, to, do you feel I've, like you still have to know the right people, even you have to beyond know, that? Yeah, I think you have to know the right people. I mean, that, that's that's been my experience. I haven't, and, and you know, one of my one of my friends that I recruited, who's now like a high level employee at Facebook, I had to fight for him to get the job. Like, and and, and he's 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 an incredible person and nobody doubts his technical abilities. Nobody doubts his experience, but you go through an interview process and the number of random variables involved in that is 
I, and, you know, like we've, we've, I, I don't know if you. That all sounds like a broken system to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, it's not broken. It's just a human system, and like I humans are fundamentally jobs, flawed. And so obviously, the interview <laughs> processes are broken. <laughs> I, my experience has been non-representative, but I, you know, I, I didn't properly interview for my job at Apple. Uh, I didn't interview for my second job or my third job, and I just started my own company for my fourth job. So I like I'm not the person to have a lot. And I I tried to interview as little as possible while I was at Facebook. Um, I did I like they managed to get me to do Jedi interviews, which I like. Is it the same system still? Mm, it's like the culture uh, fit interview. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard the term Jedi interview. I don't know if it's a technical thing where like it's in the engineering That's side, not, the, and not the on the design technical side. Term for it. Well, no, no. Like, what I mean is like on the engineering side as opposed oh, to the oh, design yeah, side. Yeah. But it's basically like the you try to get out of doing enough interviews, and then I convince them that like fine, I'll do like just a culture fit interview. But like re- recruiting, and I, I, I think it's just a matter of like how you hustle your way into a job. And so like the first time somebody set tells me, hey, I'm looking for a job. Um, what like the first thing any of us do um, is you go through your network and then you find someone to like refer him or her and then you um, you 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 kind of use that as a way to make them stand out from everybody else and it's 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 not a broken system it's just a human system and humans are fundamentally like there's an there's a uncertainty around it and there's a something I, I guess you can say flawed about it but um, I just think it's reality and you just kind of like have to play the game um, was that too dark no. Uh... <laughs> it's I know what you're saying it's true uh, I think I think the it's such a it's kind of shitty to encounter and I think probably frustrating for people that might not feel like they're good at network like it's another skill like people beyond, can be disadvantaged core competencies it's saying alright now you have to be good at like well, networking which is a crap, I don't, crappy I, I, word there, there, there's something I, I, I probably miscommunicated which is I don't it doesn't have to be networking in the social side of it too. Um, it could be your GitHub profile. It could be your, you know, uh, Dribble account. It could be just your Twitter account. It could be um, just a way for you to demonstrate that you're capable. And I think, you know, the tech industry is uniquely um, blessed in the fact that the barrier to entry, the barrier to make shit is so low. Anyone can do it. Like nobody's preventing anyone from putting their code up on GitHub and like making projects and yeah. and putting designs up on Dribble and, and talking about it. Like, you know, there's, there's there's no gatekeepers for this. It's not like mm. you know the the aerospace industry or you know some of some of these other. There's much less material costs and like actual <laughs> like yeah. regulation and stuff to deal with. I mean, you need a computer, so there's a little bit of a yeah. cost. But at this but point, like, you, you can you can do it on a Google. Sheet metal is a different thing, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, but so I think I think it, you just I think the 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 responsibility is on the person who's looking for a job to show. Dude, think about it. Think about it as a hiring man. From the hiring manager perspective, you put a job up on uh, on any of these companies, you're going to get hundreds of applicants. Uh, there's like, there isn't a perfect way for you to say, "Give me the best one." I mean, because you, you're qual- you're trying to qualify quantify a subjective measure of quality, and it, like that's fundamentally flawed. And so, you, the, it's the job of the applicant to not be one in five hundred names. That's what I think. I agree. I can't. Sp- much to it but I think that's also contributes to some issues around diversity because people's social circles on average tend to be people like them and so you recruit people like you to to companies you work at and yeah. you end up with problems but that has nothing to do with I, it uh, yeah when it comes to the diversity and tech thing I like yeah I, I'm you know I, yeah. yeah but I know that that is like a reality as yeah. well. Like that's a And I'm not a qualified to have that, an opinion right? about that or a suggestion of how to fix sure, it. I just sure. I'm telling you the world is I've seen it. Yeah. And I agree it's flawed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I, like I hold nothing. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Um well you okay, so you ended up at Apple. I ended up at Apple. Working on mobile me. Mobile me. Yep. I was working on I started actually working on the native apps, which existed at the time in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. And then um moved over to the web and started working on Sproutcore properly. Um and then a bunch of people from uh, that team on MobileMe went over to start a company called Strobe. And Apple was not working for me. I mean, it was my dream job. And I felt like I went into the kitchen of my favorite restaurant oh, and I did no. not like what I saw. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was terrible. Uh, which I, I don't well, know. MobileMe caught a lot of like flack. I joined right after that. Ah. So I wasn't there when Steve Jobs like flipped tables and, the famous. and yeah, yeah, yelled at people. Uh, I kind of like, kind of weirdly <laughs> wish I was. I, yeah, that'd be a <laughs> good a story to tell. Cool story to share, but um, 
Yeah, it was just I think I think there are certain kinds of people who flourish at places like Apple, and I was not that kind of person. Um, I just kept I felt like there was a box drawn around me, and I kept running headfirst into every wall around me. Um, if you want to be the best at something specific, and you're willing to dedicate years of your life to being the best at it, then Apple is a fantastic place to work. Probably the best place in the world. If you're a generalist generalist like me, or if you um, <laughs> arrogantly think your opinion should be heard um <laughs> yeah i mean i remember i remember the thing that kind of really pissed me off uh, well once i was told to shut up in a meeting because my opinion didn't matter um and that did not sit well with me um the other time i went to this amazingly gifted designer i mean just an artist in like the truest sense of the form both in terms of visual and uh, technical design and at the time, iOS, uh, one of the iOSs was coming out and we were redesigning, we we're converting from mobile me to iCloud. And I was there working on the, that transition. And I kid you not, like the entire designer's job, and this is a designer on mobile me, he had, he, the only access he had to what was happening on iOS was a list of PNGs that they had sent him. And when I would go to ask him like, well, how should this work? What should happen? He was the one who had access to the, the, that version of iOS. So he would just open it, look at it and just tell me. And so you you take this person, I mean, it was bad. I built like a navigation controller and a table view that had like, that was purely designed for the iPad. And then we just like put a mouse on it. And like, and I was like, <laughs> like, you know, you, like, for example, like, like you take the dropdown, right? And the yeah. dropdown is like small and like dense and like it remembers the selection that you have. So if you click on it and opens it, it like keeps it where it is. So it's designed for efficiency. And then I built a dropdown where you like select it and you get a separate popover like 700 pixels away every time where you have to like go down click a selection in this popover and then move your mouse back 700 pixels to like the original place. I was like, this is a shitty design. And like the designer's job is basically a reference material. Like he's just a literally like a cog in a machine in like the truest sense of that word. Um, And I was like, this is not where I'm going to grow. This is not where I'm going to learn. So I went to that startup with my friends and um, that was fun. It lasted five months. It lasted less than the battery on my trackpad for that job, which was, (laughs) which was weird. Um, and then we ended up at Facebook uh, through an acquisition and uh, stroke. Yeah, and that was that was a that was a fun process. Um, dodged the bullet, not going to Zynga on that one, but that was the other company we were talking to. Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> I actually didn't want to go to Facebook. Like Facebook was like the devil. Why? Yeah, I was. I agree. Hey. Yeah. Well, I remember having I'm talking to you over there. <laughs> I remember having conversations in the car on our way to interview at Facebook where we're literally having conversations like if Facebook just stopped, would that be better or wor- would the world be better or worse off for it? And we were all in agreement that, yeah, the, the world would be so much better. It was just like Facebook just stopped existing. So clearly a very cynical, like wrong perspective on the world um, <laughs> let's go there let's go, <laughs> let's go and, and, and do it, it ended up being the best job i've ever had and i was there for two and a half years um learned a lot grew a lot met a ton of amazing people completely changed my perspective on everything and like everything everything i am today i kind of owe to that time at facebook can you talk a little more about that like what what changed your mind or what did you discover that made it like actually um good well, without turning this into a recruitment pitch for working well, at Facebook. You don't work there. You can talk about <laughs> it. I don't honestly. work there. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I, I think also it changed a lot since I was there. Sure. Like When I was there, oh, yeah, of course. it was pre-IPO. We were still in like the Palo Alto office yeah. and it had like a really tight feel to it. Um, and you don't even have to talk about Facebook. Like what was it just about the work or the people that... It was, it was a belief that everybody had something to contribute and that people's contributions were meaningful. And you're kind of encouraged to make contributions. Um, you're encouraged to um, take ideas and run with them, whether or not you've been told that's something f- you have to do. It was exposure to everybody on every part of the organization and being able, you know, I, dude, I couldn't fucking talk to anybody about anything at Apple. Like, we, you, you go to the shuttle and it's quiet because you can't talk to anybody. Um, you go to shuttle on Facebook and it's like, holy shit, we're like making plans for like hanging out, talking about work, like offering suggestions and like all this. It was amazing. It felt like a living room on the bus. I mean, again, it changed by the time I left. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying what, like back in the day, um, it gave me the confidence. It, it gave me the ability to like experiment and build things. I still had a lot of self-doubt and I still do have a lot of self-doubt, but it like gave me the, the, the confidence that like, yes, you're, it's okay for you to try these things. It's okay for you to have an opinion. It's okay for you to be loud about it. And Honestly, I got a lot of pushback. So I, I was sometimes too loud, too aggressive in my opinions. And um, that, was, that, was, that was also very good. You know, they gave me a lot of responsibility. So I was, 
it was just one of those things where my role kept growing the more I was there and I was able to kind of like own that experience and I was given that freedom and that that's what was amazing about it. Were you there as a designer, an engineer, both? Engineer. Engineer. Um, I ended up weaseling my way into designing. Uh, I, I did. It was reservations for pages, uh-huh. which they they gotten rid of. But that was my baby. Where it's like we should do reservations for pages, and then like let's go talk to Open Table and like have partner meetings and like figure out all this shit. And that was amazing. You know, I was just an engineer um, on the pages team, and I was given the ability to set up a partnership with uh, Open Table to add reservations. So I'd like designed it and built it and like talk to them about like what APIs we need and all this stuff. It was, it was incredible. But like, dude, this was also Facebook. Like we launched it and it had like market impacts and like had like tons of people using it. It was incredible. But then, then I, and I think when I was at Facebook, it was four, four years ago at this point, I think there was a level of immaturity that I had about how to get things done. And I, and, and there was a level of cynicism too, that you're probably like <laughs> residual cynicism in this conversation. Wait, what do you mean? Well, I felt like in hindsight, I was being immature about how much seeing things I didn't like pissed me off and like how much I allowed it to influence my emotions. Um, I would get like physically angry. Like I, no, I wouldn't, I, would, I, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't sound like an angry guy, but like, I, you know, I would get like, I, I, would, I would get emotional because I give a shit, you know, like I care a lot about a lot of things that I think a lot of people in the company just didn't give a shit about. And so there was a, there was a disconnect between, you know, Dude, at the time, like there were nine different table views, just like within the f- top level tabs in the app, and each one had like different paddings, different behavior. Each one was like custom, and it was driving me fucking insane. Because like every time, every time you go to a different product within Facebook, it would reflect the f- like the skills of the product team working on it. It wouldn't feel like a unified experience. That really pissed me off. And um, to Facebook's credit, I was given the ability to try to put together a ground roots effort to fix it. Um, again, I was probably a little immature about how I went along with it and my understanding of the scope of what I was doing and how much stamina it would involve. Yeah, yeah it sounds like a big project. It was basically like a mobile UIE team that I wanted to start because that didn't exist. We had a web UIE team that provided a lot of the core components that people can like combine and use and, and iterate on. And what I wanted to do was to standardize the components that people use. And at the time, uh, Adam McCullough and Nick Wilson and, and a bunch of other designers were... Uh, started doing uh, the similar thing on the design side, the Facebook interface guidelines, and they were way more mature than me, and they went about it um, much smarter than I did, and they were ultimately much more successful in it. But I I wasted a lot of time and energy, emotional and uh, intellectual, trying to make that happen. Can, can we talk a little more about that? Because as painful it is to admit, I think I'm a little bit in that headspace right now. Yeah. As like becoming hyper-emotional about things that I see. How did you work through that or get over it? Well, I or? quit. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's why I literally like I went to Instagram just because I rage quit basically out of Facebook. And and I, I regret that. <laughs> Control option command <laughs> escape. <laughs> yeah, just Shit. command Q, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> uh, which is not a healthy, mature thing to do. And I and I and I, and I think I recognize that now. Uh the my experience over the past two and a half years since that has happened, because I spent half a year working at Instagram afterwards. Um, is basically understanding that when you choose to not work on your own and own the outcome of like everything, you are working within a larger system and, 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 and you're getting a lot by choosing to work in a larger company within a larger system, within a larger organization, which is you get to work on at scale. You get to influence a lot of people. You get to influence design. You get to influence how people, you know, do payments or whatever it is that you, you, you end up, you end up working on. And this is this is this is like a big thing that I haven't fully fleshed out. This is something I'm working through, but basically just understanding that all these things, whether they're organizations, whether they're like movements or something, they're just they're they're like systems of thought and people, um, and they have feedback cycles and they have priorities. And so, like the team at Facebook and and, and the organization whole, even if they don't communicate that explicitly, has a way of thinking and has about what's important, what's not important. Um, w- how you convince how, how big is Facebook now? 15,000, 20,000 people? I, I don't know. Uh, h- like, how do you convince that many people to change how they perceive the product and how they prioritize these things? Um, if you really care about changing it, if, if you really give a shit about it, um, you need to just direct that energy um, productively. And I know, like, what I'm saying is a little bit of a cliche, but like, you have understanding how you can take that passion and that, like, 
emotionality that you you care about, you need to translate that into the language of the company and the organization. You like sort of think of these big companies as big ships that like take a lot of energy to like move and meander. And there's a lot of inertia and there's a lot of like momentum. So you can do a lot with you can you can move mountains with these big companies. But when it comes to you know the padding on table views and like the way highlighted table view cells should like behave, honestly, part of it is it just doesn't fucking matter. And another part of it is it's it's if you care about it lead by example um don't you know don't wait for other people to tell you what to do and what not to do I, like these are clichés but you just have to understand that in working for these big companies you choose to work within a bigger organization you're making trade-offs you're getting a lot for working in those big companies and you have to it's a cost benefit analysis um and one of the things that you're giving up is when you get angry about something that some other team is doing it's sometimes hard to get them to change it Um so in in my case for example we were I was working on on the pages team and the um the photos team was had a set of priorities and was was at a place that did not match where we wanted to be with the project, product and so you know you see the humans of new york page and it's got tens of millions of likes and insane amounts of engagement and i really care about making that experience beautiful for the people who like humans of new york but in my estimation at the time it fucking sucked and i like tried so hard to short of like making my own photos team within the pages team like they, it's gotten a lot better um over time it's just taken a lot more time than i was willing to give it are you still as emotional or uh, about yeah except i've chosen to own the things i do so i can do things about it now which has <laughs> now, made me now i'm just getting pissed at myself uh, yeah, yeah. No, exactly yeah. and and but like there's i i basically came to the conclusion that i have some authority problems and i just need to be working on my own um and not on my own but like I need a level of ownership over what I do that I think a lot of other people can get away without. Um and the the plus side of that is I can take this energy of like really caring uh, and giving a shit deeply about something and I can I can you know bang my head against a problem for two weeks until it works. Um and then once you launch it um you can see whether the market and reality agrees with you. And by the way that was the other big thing for me uh, quitting and going on my own working on darkroom is um I would get it would be a review season and I would have people giving me reviews and I and I would get reviews sometimes they'd be like fantastic reviews but sometimes they would be good reviews I never had a bad review but like it was a good review right and I was like who's judging me here the product failed once once the product failed and the product got killed the, you know the company lost tens of millions of dollars of investment working on this project uh I got a greatly exceeds expectations. I was like if I greatly exceeded expectations and the project died, I did not greatly exceed expectations. Expectations were not met, that's why the project died. And so there was a disconnect between me putting a lot of like heart into what I was doing, putting it out and then um I had no idea if what I'm doing is good or not because like the outcome and the feedback on that work I was doing was so disconnected from me. I was like am I doing work I'm proud of? Is it good work? I don't know, man. and and maybe it's just the teams that i worked at where you know i worked on like six projects that got killed or something like it was crazy i don't know why i picked the projects to work on that i did but i um i ended up going uh, i i basically told myself i'm going to quit when i quit i decided i was not going to talk to anybody about anything i was going to just work on my own i wanted to make my own startup um did everything i talked about you know put in the heart put in the passion put in the like work on hard problems for a very long time and uh put it out and then I let the market decide because to me like the market is the harsher critic and what the market thinks matters a lot more to me so the fact that darkroom you know is now 2 years old has uh, a large loyal following has you know people who swear by it people who like have changed their there are there are people who make money off their photography who depend on darkroom to make their living you know it's like every design decision i f- i feel like every design decision that i have put into it has been validated by that. Um I don't, you know, I don't need uh, a manager, a mid mid-level manager at Facebook to decide whether or not I'm doing a good job. Like I'll let my users decide if I'm doing. And you know, if I launch a product, uh, if I launch a version and the reviews go down to the crap, I got it does not meet expectations. If it has four and a half stars, I got a great exceed expectation. You know, like I'll let I'll let the stars of the app on the App Store decide like what my review is. Um and it really pissed me off that like how i did did not reflect how the product i worked at did hmm. um i don't know if things have changed but i think that's pretty interesting uh 
I've, have, have I been monologuing a lot? Sorry. No, no, no. That's no. great. This is a. I have gotten very little sleep, so I apologize. <laughs> it's all right. Um, it was Halloween uh, weekend yesterday, so. Also, you guys were traveling. Yeah, yeah. that that was the we bigger a, thing. A, <laughs> um, yeah, for the past uh, two years, it's been dark room and uh, it's been incredible. We haven't heard about the bet. Oh, so the, so basically, what now happened, we're now we're full circle. Now we're full circle. So my my God, man, you're really good at remembering how we got places. Uh-huh. Um, I you could say I I do this a lot. You do. This <laughs> <a lot. laughs> um, cut me off if I'm monologuing too much or meandering. But um, yeah, so I have to stop you. Right there, this is getting out of Should not control. have given you this power. <laughs> um, <laughs> Total power. <laughs> I uh, so I quit Instagram, and at the same time, same week as uh, one of my best friends um, quit Instagram, and we went to Norway. Uh, it sounds like a bit of a cliche now, but uh, Iceland, Norway. No, well, dude, Who goes Norway. To Norway. It's Shh, only Iceland. I shouldn't. I should be telling you about this. Everyone go to Iceland. Nobody go to Norway. There's <laughs> nothing to see in Norway. <laughs> Norway sucks. You know, Norway sucks. You know, Lofoten. <laughs> Dude, no, we didn't. He did recently, but we went to, um, man, dude, I named the company Bergen because of that trip. I mean, that trip was like life-changing. It was an incredible trip. Um, we went to Oslo and then we drove to uh, 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 Bergen uh, on the West Coast and we went through a couple of like seven days of hiking in the mountains. It was fucking incredible. This isn't Kalani, is it? No, no. You know Ryan Gumba? No. Hey, I mean, you should, you should talk to him. He's fucking incredible. Anyway. You went to Norway. So, so we quit. went to Norway and we were there and, and both of us had felt kind of the same way. We were kind of a little bit burned by working at big companies. Um, I'll let him talk about his experience. I'll talk about my experience only. Uh, but, you know, after two months of uh, not doing anything, we started getting a little itchy. And two months was way less time than we thought we were going to need. But two months later, we started getting itchy. And we started was like, all right, listen, iOS 8 is going to come out in a couple of months. We'll make a bet. We'll both make an app. We'll put it on the app store. Whoever makes more money wins the bet and has to like, do something crazy like seven day vacation for the other person, all expenses paid. We tried to make the oh, shit. we tried to make the stakes really high. That's yeah, yeah. on purpose. Uh huh. Um, neither of us hit the deadlines for the bet, and the bet was kind of off. But uh, the app I wanted to make was a simple HSL editor for the iPhone, and it was going to be like a two view controller thing where you like select a photo and then you adjust the hue saturation or luminance of a color channel uh, because that was a tool that existed in Lightroom that didn't exist on um, iOS. And so it started with that. But once I got into the problem space and once I started thinking about it, uh, I was a very heavy Visco user at the time. And we were on this trip and, you know, I must have taken like 200 photos a day on my iPhone. Um, And I would sit and was like, fuck, I have to like edit 200 photos on my iPhone. This sounds terrible. How am I going to do that? So I use Visco and then like, fuck, I have to import every photo I want to edit and I have to decide like which photo I want to edit and I have to like figure out how to do that. Like that alone was a big task. And then I have to like perform the same 17 operations for every photo. Yep. And it was just such a pain in the ass. And I was working on this like photo editing thing. So we started like exploring, diving deeper into the APIs. And I was like, and I had worked at it. Instagram so I was like a little familiar with like what was possible and not possible I was like <laughs> I've done this I'm like there is no fucking reason why this thing I'm doing needs to be such a pain in the ass to do uh, yeah, I love Visco like their filters are the best filters on the market but like the app sucks man like it takes so long to process 100 photos um, and 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 there li- there's literally no technical constraint on it. It's just you know you get a bunch of art directors to make an app, and you get an app made by art directors. You know, it's like it's it's not a usable app. It's a pretty app. They've kind of strayed a little bit away from that now, but I mean, it's confusing as all shit. And it you know anyway. So decided like okay, we're gonna, we started talking about it. We started riffing on it, and the idea grew. And it grew out of this like pain point that we had. Uh, the more people we talked about it with, the more they resonate with the basic fundamental premise. Um, and, uh, it kind of just grew from there. And so, you know, all the things that Darkroom allows you to do now that you couldn't do before Darkroom kind of sprouted out of this basic idea of editing photos should be fast and it should be easy. Um, whether or not it's fun is a design challenge. Like you don't, I should, I don't think you should design the app around like a productivity app, like a tool around it being fun. Yeah. Being fun should be like, the job of the fucking designer is to make this a pleasure to use. Like every app should be fun to use because the designer did their job designing this properly. Making a utility fun seems like it puts too much emphasis on the app over the functionality, which is what you use a utility for. Exactly. And so you know, you're editing photos. You want to get into the photo. You want to edit it. The, one, of the, one of the insights in, in talking to a lot of different people is like, you edit. we don't have to get into like the photo space, by the way. I know this is a No, this podcast. is great. But you do the same fucking thing to every photo. Yeah. 
the app should like just remember, remember what this, yeah, yeah yeah so like, you know what's what's a filter also you know that's that's the other thing that really pisses me off these uh these filters you know they what the way they work typically in an app is you go to photoshop you you make an adjustment to a, a color lookup table and then you send that down as an image to the device and it applies it it's a lookup table i was like okay well what if this visco filter blows out my clouds i don't want it to blow out my clouds i can't modify the filter i can't make it more green than yellow i can't do anything to it um and then you know you you go and you try to recreate these filters in in photoshop or lightroom which by the way is not very hard to do um i mean it's a little tricky you have to know how to use the tools properly but like once you know how to do it you're, you're just adjusting curves in hsl man like everyone talks about how crazy complicated this shit is at the end of the day you're just taking blue making it green you're taking it like darker colors making darker that's not the thing that's hard. What's hard is making being tasteful about it. What knowing what combination of edits look good. What constraints to yeah, put. But yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, you make the, you bring all the tools that these filter designers, who are extremely skilled, doing a very hard job, um, give bring those tools to the iPhone. You can recreate the work that they're doing on the desktop on the phone, and then all your filters are editable. Like in Darkroom, all the filters are made in Darkroom. I've used the ad the app to make the filter, which means every time you apply a filter, you can go adjust those settings. And then filters are just you know, pre- dude, go to Lightroom. Presets, right? Yeah, just go to go to Lightroom, find like a filter, like the Visco filter. Right click on it, open it in like TextMate or something. It's an XML file. The the curves. Yeah. I mean, I built the converter that like just converts the like Lightroom XML to like a darkroom JSON. Like, what does that do to like what the concept of what a filter is? Film tools have great access to this kind of thing like uh davinci resolve is my favorite yeah and you just you can customize like all these different curves and trackers and whatever and just apply them as a still to a bunch of other objects it's just custom filters that you store for yourself and you just come back to it exactly and, and that's that's the model for like darkroom right and yeah. and so you know you open you open darkroom and all your photos are there you don't have to import it you like tap on the photo it like instantly opens up you can swipe through them you can copy paste edits you can like make your own custom filter and so you know like it's like the original google right the design is design for darkroom is how little of a time you can spend in the app so if you like open it open a photo apply a filter save you're done like it's a five tab process and you've got your own custom style applied to it um, Film so. tools make me a little sad about design tools because, like, they're so com- like they're very complex. There's a very high learning curve, but the power and flexibility of them is like completely different than what we have in design tools. They've been around longer, I guess. More time to mature. Do you think like Premiere's been around longer than Photoshop? Uh, I don't know. Photoshop as a UI tool, yeah, probably been around longer. But it's crazy. Like, what's what's that curve called where you get like a cloud of that scans each vertical line of pixels and tells you where the oh. RGB here. Like, what's that? Curve oh, the scopes. Man, yeah, that shit is fucking cool. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like editing uh, skin tones and stuff. You can mm-hmm. identify exactly where the skin tone is and like move it exactly. Right. Yep. I'm like, I don't give you too much about Darkroom's future, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> sneak peek. Sneak uh, is is the the star rating you have on the App Store your your metric of success now? Four and a half stars, baby. Hey, hey, yo, dude. Podcast is five stars. Uh, nice. Get it together. <laughs> uh, how do you, how do you know that you're doing a good job? Is that the key thing? Um, how like, I know I'm doing a good job is there's a difference. It's much harder to make something that has a sticky value proposition to somebody than than some than something that like will flare up and die off. Um, something that flares up like there's there's a lot you can do to kind of like game it and. Like add some novelty on it and be like, ha ha, that's cool. Peach. What's Peach? Was that a Princess Peach joke? No, you know, the Peach app. Oh, the Peach <laughs> app. Yeah. I don't want to start naming apps because like if they become, I do it. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But Darkroom has been around for two years and the number of weekly active users continues to go up despite the fact that I haven't touched the app in a year, um, which to me means I've, I've built something uh, based on a value proposition that has resonated with a segment of the population. And the segment of the population has resonated with is big enough for me to continue building on top of. So, you know, if you launch something and it dies off, it means you, you, you built a game, you built a toy, you brought some joy into people's lives. There's value in that. But you didn't build something fundamentally valuable that like people will change their workflow. I'm asking people, I built Darkroom with like 17 million photo apps there. I did not join an empty field. I joined the most crowded, one of the most crowded segments on the App Store. So being being able to like get in there with a clear value proposition that resonates with people, getting it heard by people. You know, it's like Darkroom 
uh, was called the best, one of the best apps of 2015 by the App Store. Like that was a big fucking honor. Like it's, yeah, that was that was a big fucking deal for me. That is a, the, I'll, I'll take that review over a Great Lake Seas expectations. That's a big review. <laughs> Coming from the big guys, yeah. Yeah, so. Up at Apple. Yeah, and, and may, maybe it's just a, yeah, anyway. But, um, so that that's, that's, that's my measure of success. It's, it's, building something sticky with people um building something valuable there's there's a ego thing to it where it's like you want to build something that's respected by your peers and i think we all we all care about that and so the fact that that has happened with darkroom is is uh helps me sleep at night (laughs) um you're getting ahead of us well well i mean dude everyone we, we all have the imposter syndrome right and and i think the only the only way to mitigate the impact of imposter syndrome is just to to get a couple of notches under your belt, just to like when you have the panic attack, which is like shit. Talk to me like th- just February was a bad fucking month. Like th- I make things sound like they're going well now. That's because I'm in a good place. February was not a good place, and it's just the ups and downs of being independent, uh, the anxiety of somebody who gives a shit about what they do, um, somebody who wants to do the best work that they can, somebody who strives to. Like not just in what your career is and like everything you do, and I think we all have similar tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of notches under your belt, just like it's like, all right, well, I'm not a complete idiot. I I don't suck all the time. I, I this suck, is great. I, I suck most of the times. Like there are a couple of times where I didn't like suck at what <laughs> I do. I was like, maybe I have hope for not sucking at what I'm doing now. I'm always relieved when I put something out and people don't completely hate it. Like that's just, <laughs> oh thank <laughs> God. <sighs> oh man. Uh, well, I can't think of a better way to lead into the last question we like to ask, which is what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Um, what keeps me up at night is um, you. we say these things now, right? Like we talk about building work that matters to you and having the respect of your peers and it's a purely an ego thing like this is a pure ego conversation there's nothing like meaningful about wanting to wanting to respect of your peers um other than like you you, you it's a mark of feedback for how you you do and yeah that's a good thing and often the decisions that you make in this and, and in pushing through those anxieties of being a maker and a creator you don't know if you're making the right choice. You only know if a choice was a correct choice in hindsight. And you start making bigger and bigger choices that have bigger and bigger impacts on your life. And they take longer and longer to develop and come to fruition. And the thing that keeps me up at night is I'll wake up in five years and I'll I'll realize I completely fucked up and like everything that I've done doesn't make any sense and has been a waste of time. I don't think that's going to be the case, but that's why I make the decisions that I do and I make the trade-offs that I do when it comes to being independent rather than working for a big company, when it comes to leaving my job, when it comes to working on this book, when it comes to doing all this stuff. Uh, but yeah, man, like fuck nobody knows i don't know about you guys i have no idea if what i'm doing is going to work out in the end i'm just kind of fighting through the anxiety and just not questioning myself yep (laughs) any strategies tips um being able to introspect frequently and course correct um admit that i'm wrong I'll I'll say despite despite my flaws of character, um, I'll I'll admit that I'm wrong frequently and at, with ease. I, I have no problem being wrong. I think without that quality, shit would like you just bang your head on a wall, and that wall is not going to go anywhere, um, and you're just going to get stuck. But the, the other the other the other thing too is just to err on action. I mean, like I, I would say that's the, the biggest thing for me is just like fucking decide. It is so much easier to course correct than to optimize every single decision. Man, like, don't find the best Thai food. Just go to a Thai place. If it wasn't good, don't go to it again. Go to the next place, and you'll just find it. Like, I think it, same thing with design. You know, do you realize how many, how much fucking time people spend debating shit where you could have just gone with one of them arbitrarily, launched it, just seen what happened. 
Yes, yes, I do. God, it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it drives me nuts to see that. I'm like, dude, just just decide. Like, you know, I I work I work at, 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 for six months of this year. I was doing a design contract at Lyft. I was working on uh, on a photo book and I was maintaining darkroom. And you you can't do all that alone without making some really 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 hard trade offs. And there's a lot of shit that did not get done, but it didn't get done on purpose. And I knew what I was doing. Instead of that, and I just, I made a decision at that point that like what I chose to do was more important. But like being debilitated by the ability to make decisions and move forward and like saying this decision was correct, decision was not correct. That's what I mean by like course correcting as you go. Like you just decide and like commit, 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 like decide, 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 like just move, and hopefully, move, move. Hopefully you get both faster and better at it over time, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the number of times people are wrong is is a lot less than they think because people are afraid of negative outcomes. Um, whereas the outcome itself, you kind of like convince yourself is a good outcome. Who are we? Hmm. Oh shit. I'm, did I say something? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, uh, I think it was on an episode. I'm blanking on who said it, but it was like master of none, like a fig tree. No, even the best people can only like hope to get to a 50% hit rate on like being right. Uh, we were talking about something like that. Like you just, you just try and get better and better and better and understanding that, a pretty good chunk of the things that you decide on are going to be wrong, and then you, yeah, yeah, fix just, it. yeah, and and the, the number of mistakes that you make that are not trivially solvable is, I mean, they they do exist, uh, but they're fucking small, and you're kind of taking your chances on that one. But then there's like most decisions are non-binary anyway, so like you can optimize it to be more right later. Yeah, 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 and 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 yeah. the, whatever reality you live in is is going to be a good reality. You're going to be happy with it. Virtual, just, yeah, man. It's like that's where I live. I yeah. want to live in Longbow. <laughs> virtual i need i need to get into this whole have virtual you played thing. longbow I've, i don't even know what that is it's a game for vibe oh, and it's the funnest game <laughs> you shoot a longbow at stick figures it's great oh god <laughs> i got too much shit to do man. i don't play longbow that's what you think <laughs> then you'll try longbow and you will understand <laughs> tell me about city skyline oh man <laughs> it is it is it is a long standing and ongoing addiction of mine mm-hmm. uh for those who don't know city skyline is a steam game well it's i mean it's not like made by it's, steam it's a it's game on, on steam. a few platforms i think yeah. yeah but it's it's a city building game and and i think i think when you described it as what sim city should have been like mm-hmm. which i would agree with it's like you hope a city building simulation game would be what sim city is um but it's i mean Man, think about like design decisions that went into that game. That that's fascinating because it's not just a city building game where you try to like be the mayor and make enough money. Like that that would get boring really quickly because you just figure out that you need to get power and water early on, and then you just like don't build too much of one thing. And that's yeah, a formula. You, yeah, you win. The thing with City of Skylines is it's like seven games in one. I mean, there's a game that just came out, Mini Metro. Have you guys played Mini Metro? Oh, no. I, you, I you, just, you design a metro system yeah. and you try to make it efficient. That entire game is fully fleshed in City Skyline. Like, you can be building a city for months and spend one of those months just doing public transport. So you're, you're designing, like, subways with, like, a, a bus lines and train transport and you're trying to like do uh like central terminals where like lines can like match and this is a city building game this is not a public transportation game (laughs) and then you can build roads and highways and elevate them and on ramps and off ramps and manage traffic and you can spend the entire time like months just fixing traffic problems and it's fucking awesome that sounds like the best <laughs> use of someone's time ever but in a longbow is that hey far less time uh it's all stress relief at the end of the long, longbow <laughs> hurts your arm so much you can only play it for like an hour at a time <laughs> longbow is a workout i'm dude. being judgmental um indeed but man and then and, and the thing the, the other thing with city skyline is like you can design your own maps and you can like terraform and you can make gorgeous beautiful intricate designed uh, maps that alone could be a whole game question though tell me can you shoot stick figures with a bow can you light that sounds like light- a sounds like a mod you really want to invest in can you light your arrows on fire <laughs> you can do that in longbow yeah, yeah you should, you should lead with that it's man. virtual reality lead with that. Don't you can do anything you want <laughs> that's funny i need you know I've, I've tried virtual reality once i've not gotten into it at all uh, oculus once yeah i uh, took a demo of it the vibe i feel, is I feel like is it? Yeah. yeah it's Do you good. guys have one? Uh, uh, our neighbor does. It's it's getting better and it's getting more funner. All right. I need I need to get in. Is that a word? Funner? No. I miss yeah. Bad grammar. Uh, <laughs> we're over time. Oh shit! All right. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? 
Um, Twitter probably would be the most convenient. J Tabby um, on Instagram. Because um, when I was 15, this is really embarrassing. When I was 15, I was, oh, there's like J Crew. And <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, J Tabby. Oh, like, really? Like High end brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way better than oh M Tabby. That's so yeah. good. Jack, well, Jack, the reason I, the, the J comes from my middle name, Jack. So it's like, it, it, has, it has an origin in reality. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, the douche runs deep here. Um, but Jay Tabby. Jay Tabby. Thanks for coming on Thanks the show. Thank you guys so much That's for having fun. me. I appreciate it. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was episode 170. Thank you to Match for coming and hanging out with us. Thank you to you for listening. And thank you to Wayno for sponsoring this episode. If you need more podcasts in your eardrums, go to spec.fm. That's our podcast network. Lots of podcasts. We've got some blogs. We building tools and things. So you can follow us along. Yeah, at spec. Follow us along. Follow us along. <laughs> follow, <laughs> follow us along on the internet. Uh, our website is spec.fm. Twitter at spec.fm where we'll be sharing updates. We hope you find something that you like. Again, that's at spec.fm. And of course, be sure to thank our sponsor, Wayno, for making this episode possible. Wayno's building Done. dope Wayno. stuff. Cool. Thanks, Wayno. Out of Reykjavik, New York, and Iceland. Oh. <laughs> New York, Reykjavik, and San Francisco. An amazing group of people. Did you just I, catch that? I, Iceland is basically a new San Francisco, though. Like, everyone goes there. <laughs> and if you're a designer and you don't yeah. go there, are you really a designer? Yeah. Uh, and they're hiring. Uh, you should join them. Maybe they'll give you a little little tour of the Reykjavik office, a good opportunity to go take photos. They're hiring at wayno.co. Click the careers link in their header. Check out their work. Follow them on the internet. And give them a big hug if you ever meet any of them for making this show possible. We can't think of enough. Just stop what you're doing right now. Hug the air in front of you. That's Wayno. Oh man, that's nice. Wayno is in immediately in front of all of us. I just got just in the air. Oh man, my I just got a shiver down my spine. That was beautiful. Go to Wayno.co, uh, check out the work, get inspired, follow them. And thanks again, Wayno, for making this episode possible. We'll see y'all next week. If you would only say you care, and though my pocket may be empty, I'm glad I'm recording this. <laughs> I'd be a millionaire. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh shit. We're actually live streaming too. That just went out to let me check. Uh, ten thousand people. Ten thousand watches. Yeah. Wow, you guys have a small network. Oh, this amateur hour. Sick. Burn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is not worth my time. My God. I am out of here. <laughs> uh.